I want winners. I want people that want to win. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You got to put your money where your mouth is, Pete. It's not gambling advice. It's Friday, week five of the NFL season, and welcome to Not Gambling Advice. It is sponsored by Prize Picks. Use code just baseball or code just gridiron when you download for a full instant deposit match up to $100. We have the milkman, aka Javon Deeb. Well, his name is Javon, but we call him the milkman here because he's been dealing props, but he also has some NFL picks for us, as well as Justin Carlucci, prop builder, I'd like to say from Roto Grinder. He said pre record, he's got five or six. I have my props, but I'm going to sit back and listen to these two gentlemen. But of course, we have plenty of NFL spread picks to get into. Javon, I want to start with you. How is the NFL season going for you so far? It's going pretty well. Um, I would say last year is really the first the first time that I got into it in full, kind of betting the NFL and betting props and everything and kind of exploring prize picks too towards the end of the season last year has helped me kind of really get into it this year. So it's going pretty well. Um, I'm excited for this week too. I think we got some good matchups, good lines, good value all the way across the board. We're just going to keep winning. I had my first week where I was not profitable last week. Overall, very good season, 21-11-1 against the spread, but 1-2 and two last week, so we got we to gotta right the wrongs. Right, Justin? We got to right the wrongs. How have your, how's your NFL season going so far? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's been up and down, but last week was by far my best week. Um, I wrote an article for scoresandodds.com, um, Roto Grinders partner site. I had four prop plays. I hit all of them, so I'm really hoping we could build. I don't want to set the bar too high right away, but I'm really hoping we could build some of that momentum moving in uh, to week five here. So I do like the prop plays I have uh, for this week, and I'm excited to to break it down with you guys. Justin, the bar is set really, really high, so you just got to deliver. We're putting the pressure on you right now, right here. Week five, let's talk about some of our favorite picks. What we like to do is go around the horn. Javon, I started with you asking how the NFL season. So, Justin, I want to start with you. And then, Javon, then me, we'll go through all of our favorite spread picks. Then we'll get to props. Justin, what is your favorite spread pick for week five? Uh, so I'm going to stick in the same game here. I, I kind of like Cleveland and, you know, that was my gut call before I started to look at anything this week. And then, you know, I just started to think about it more chargers traveling across multiple time zones. It's just a bizarre matchup for them. We know they don't want to run the football. Uh, they want to throw the football. Cleveland's been really good against the pass. That defense is still pretty strong uh, despite not having some pieces in that front seven. Um, and what do the Browns do? They like to run the football and they can definitely do that. They're a gap run team and the chargers are terrible um, at defending gap run plays. They're really banged up defensively. We know Bosa's not in the picture anymore and they, they have some problems definitely. So um, I think this game is super interesting. I'm, I'm actually leaning towards uh, Cleveland taking the points and I don't want to, you know, my spoiler alert is my second pick is I kind of like the under in this one too. I think the game style really fits well for the Browns in this one. And um, there's a lot more money on the Browns uh, as of right now, Thursday afternoon anyway. Justin, this episode might be a little bit quick because one of my favorite picks is that under 47 and a half. That is one of my favorite picks of the week to all the points that you made. I think, well, first off, I was loving the Browns. I loved them at three. And my thinking was that people were going to pile on the Chargers. So I thought to myself, I'm going to wait so I could possibly get a three and a half. You know what happened? 
went down to two and a half because a lot of the sharp people, they came in hammering the Browns because it's such a good spot for them as a home dog. So what I thought to myself, well, why do I like the Browns so much? I know that they're going to run the football a ton. I know that the um, Chargers are going to want to pass the ball, but the Browns defense has been very good against the pass. So I think the Browns are just going to chew clock. They're going to keep the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands. And the Chargers, they're a warm weather team. They don't want to go play in the cold in Cleveland. And Justin Herbert, his ribs are still banged up. I don't think he's fully healthy either. There are a couple of offensive weapons like Keenan Allen. He'll probably be back this week, but he is still not fully healthy. But why the Chargers have been within games is because their defense is still really good. I know Joey Bosa is out, and that's certainly not good for the defense. But overall, this Chargers defense, I still feel is solid. I think this game is going to be one in the trenches. I still lean the Browns. I would still go with their money line. But the reason they didn't make one of my favorite three is because that line didn't go in the direction that I wanted to. I should have just bet the Browns at plus three when it was available, but now it's a two and a half, two in some places. So I thought to myself, you know what? Give me the under because that's why I like the Browns in the first place. We're just on the same page here, Justin. You figure we'd known each other, you know, for 10 years. But uh, yeah, that's great. So we're both on the Browns. I think this game's going to be slow. I think it has a chance to be ugly. And, um, you know, I think the Chargers are going to be fairly one-dimensional. I think it's worth noting that Keenan Allen didn't practice Wednesday. Thursday's usually a big indicator of what might happen over the weekend. I feel like that guy misses three to four games every year, you know. And, um, you know, obviously he's a big part of that offense and he's, you know, has a high level of rapport with Herbert. So, you know, Herbert, you know, if he becomes one-dimensional, he has been prone to making some mistakes and forcing the issue and trying to do a lot. And he's definitely still banged up. So uh, I agree with you there. Well, Javon is 4-0 and in our Just Baseball Fantasy Football League, and I have Keenan Allen in a couple leagues, so I know good and well that Keenan Allen rarely plays the game of football. When he's on the field, awesome, but he rarely plays it. Javon, give me a read on this Browns-Chargers game. Are you aligned with us? Do you have another lean and then get to your favorite spread pick? Yeah, so I'm, I'm 100% aligned with you. I think this game is going to be one, like you said, that is one in the trenches, and I'm just not really ready to trust the Chargers in a game like that. Um this is not one of like my official prop plays, but I'm seeing lines for, for Nick Chubb rushing yards in the high 80s kind of varying here and there. But I think whatever number you get at Nick Chubb is a fantastic play. I think the volume will be there. <laughs> yeah, I know you love that. I'm the already fired up. There. We're going to get to my props later. I'm already, yeah, 100%. we're already rolling. 100%. I mean, the volume is going to be there. Um, I think that's going to be a part of their main game plan going through everything. So I think that's a fantastic play. And I agree with pretty much everything you guys said um, about that game. So I have... My favorite, not spread, because um, it is rapidly moving, but I'm going with the Bucks team total over. And we're seeing numbers from 28 and a half up to 29 and a half. It's another one where you're getting crazy numbers, you know, varying by a point or two everywhere. But it's against the Falcons defense, which technically I know we all kind of know that the Falcons defense isn't good, but by the numbers, they haven't been as terrible as, you know, certain people think. But a big reason for that is because they've been able to effectively run the ball and keep their defense off the field for big parts of time, which with Cordero Patterson going on the IR, that's a big hit to that offense and especially the run game, obviously. Um, so that's going to be a big hit. And then Kyle Pitts, who has not practiced with a hamstring issue, you can only think that they're going to be very cautious with him going forward. And as an offense, if they're not having Kyle Pitts on the field against the Bucks defense who struggles against tight ends, that's a big hit for them too. Um, and then another thing, like the the Falcons defense ranks fifth in takeaways in the NFL. And the Bucs, they have given the ball away at times, but a lot of it has not been with the current cast that they're going to have. Like a lot of the – they've had fumbles by Brashad Perryman, 
by Russell Gage in big spots, fumbles on kickoffs with non-main starter guys. So a lot of this is going to come to an end. And with the injuries on offense for the Falcons, that's going to create good field position, shorter possessions for the Falcons offense, meaning more time on the field for the Bucks offense. Um, so I think it's just a, it's a good spot. And the Falcons can't match up with the Bucks on defense, really, other than A.J. Terrell covering. I assume he's going to shadow Mike Evans. Chris Godwin is going to have an absolute field day if he's able to make it through the entire game and stay healthy, which is a big question mark for the guy. Um, and then, you know, Fournette and whoever they choose to go with is going to gash their run defense and the Bucks offense is, is going to get rolling this game and in the next couple of weeks. So first, I can see Justin just licking his chops because I think he was nodding his head at everything you said. I think you guys are pretty aligned here. But I have a question for you, Javon, because speaking of licking the chops, I have been licking my chops at thinking about betting the Buccaneers because the Atlanta Falcons are 4-0 against the spread. Not often do you go 5-0. But there are, first of all, the public is all over the Buccaneers. Right now, when we look on Action Network, the Buccaneers were getting a crazy amount of the money. Um, yeah. Right now, 72% of tickets are on the Buccaneers, and we see that line creeping up. We've seen it at eight, gone to nine, nine and a half, ten at some places. Would you lay the points with the Bucs, or do you think, you know what, I don't want to deal with the Falcons. Just give me the Bucs over team total. And then maybe does that give you a better indication on the total, like the over-under? Do you think it's going over if you think the Falcons can compete? Yeah, so I don't know. It's not necessarily like – I hate buying the bad news in Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts as far as the spread goes, because that that's a significant move from eight and a half to 10, even 10 and a half. I'm seeing some places too. Um, so that's kind of keeping me off the spread. I just think the Bucks offense is going to have a great day. And I think the Falcons can be competitive at a point. They usually are at least in the first half against the Bucks. That's something that I've noticed, um, which also, I guess, makes me lean the over in the game, especially with it coming down a little more because of all the injuries the Falcons have on offense. But I just want to keep it simple. I think the Bucs just run over this Falcons defense and sure can, you know, the Mariota and the boys on offense with Drake London and everybody like they have capable weapons, but I don't think they're going to put up consistent offense. So I'd rather just keep it simple and attack the Bucs. Justin, I see you nodding. You got to have so much of that knowledge on this game. What are you thinking? Uh, first of all, we didn't mention the Tom Brady narrative. So now, now he's single Tom and that's either going to be really good or really bad, but I don't think they're going to need him. You make a great point about, you know, the Tampa Bay wants to run the football. Tom Brady's at his best when he can more or less, you know, throw the ball 30 times a game instead of 45. We have so many great tools at Roto Grinders and Scores and Odds. I just don't know this stuff off the top of my head. Maybe by like week 10 or week 12, then I kind of start to recite things like this on cue. But like Tampa Bay is also a big gap run team. Atlanta is the worst team in football at defending the gap run. I think that's huge. They also give up the eighth most runs of 10 plus yards. So they want to get Fournette going, you know, Atlanta, like the defense is just not good at all whatsoever. I know Arthur Smith has kept them competitive. By the way, Kyle Pitts is killing some of my season long teams. I know it's the talk of Twitter. I, I don't understand that because when Arthur Smith was in Tennessee, like Delaney Walker, John Smith, they were focal points of that offense. Now you have this unicorn and Kyle Pitts and he's just totally irrelevant. Anyway, it doesn't matter if he doesn't play because they don't use them. I really love that team total call. And I really think there's a chance that Tampa Bay just methodically throttles or excuse me. Yeah. Tampa Bay methodically throttles Atlanta here. And Mario does not want to push the ball down the field. Maybe one or two mistakes in the second half. I don't love, you know, all the points, but I think they can cover as well. But I'd get it soon because I think that number is going to keep growing, as you alluded to. I agree. And now it's almost be it's 
at eight and a half, I was like, you know what? I do like this number, but again, I didn't jump on it. And now it's, it's at a price where it's just too expensive. And maybe that's what Vegas is doing, right? Maybe that's yeah. what they're doing. They're just they're like, yeah, it is too expensive, right? Just don't <laughs> bet it. And then the Buccaneers win by 60 and Javon goes way over his team total. So maybe it is worth a look. I do, I do want to ask you, Justin, for example, at this number, let's say it gets up to 10, because right now we're seeing nine and a half, 10 really at the high point. Like, would you consider laying 10 with the Buccaneers or is it a pass for you at that number? I'm still going to consider it. Um, I have a lot of, a lot of vested on my prop plays coming from a daily fantasy sports background, the prop research I'm, I'm extremely confident in, um, but I'm still okay with 10. Like 10 and a half, like that's my magic hook number where I start to pump the brakes a little bit here. And of course, mm. we have a wild spread with Buffalo and, and minus 14. And um, Pittsburgh hasn't been a two touchdown dog since I don't know what the numbers were, but it's probably been before any of us were alive. So, the war of 1812. That was <laughs> yeah, the last time like that. But no, I'm still interested in 10. Phenomenal. Let's get to your next spread pick because currently we have Javon on the Bucks over team total, whatever you can get it at. Like, is, Javon, is there a cutoff point for you there? Uh, I mean, I would consider everything under 31 because that's a, it's a pretty key number. Yeah. And then it's, that, that's seeing 28, 28 and a half, 29 and a half, anything in that range. I'm great with phenomenal. And Justin has the Browns and the under in that game, as well as I have the under. Are those two of your favorite, Justin, or do you have a couple of more? Uh, I, I have one more. I don't love the board uh, this week, but I, I do like Tennessee. Uh, they showed me a lot last week with, you know, a gut check game and a big divisional game against Indianapolis. They looked like world beaters in the first half. They're getting outscored 65 to seven in the second half though of the season. So I, I cannot explain it. They, the Titans have the best first half offense and the worst second half offense in football. I don't know. Um, I think Washington is going to become very one dimensional. Tennessee's run defense looked very good um, against Jonathan Taylor and company. And I think that's big because who makes arguably the most mistakes without looking in the NFL, at least my gut says is probably Carson Wentz. So yeah, uh, I, I, I like, you know, you can get them at uh, one and a half on most books. They're minus two on win bet. Um, but I think they can go on the road and, and take care of business, at least by a field goal against the commanders who um, are also missing Jahan Dotson in this game as well. So another one of those games where I don't have a good read on this because I think when you fade Carson Wentz against teams that have a really good pass rush and are really good against the run more often than not you're going to win those games if you don't apply pressure on the quarterback that's when Carson Wentz can sit back in the pocket and complete those throws like what is your read on this Tennessee defense because I'm willing to be convinced of the Tennessee Titans I've heard you know from people I really respect that they like the commanders this week but I just can't get around to that and I almost want to be convinced by the Titans so what have you seen from a defensive line standpoint from the Titans that makes you think that they can get to Carson Wentz enough to limit the commanders? Well, they're deeper than I thought, because obviously losing Harold Landry before the season started was a huge blow. Bud Dupree uh, is hurt every game, it seems like. Uh, but Jeff Simmons is the best interior lineman, not named Aaron Donald in football. I don't know if he gets enough publicity here. Uh, he just is causing havoc everywhere. Um, and Rashard Weaver, four sacks in the year, second year, second year player out of Pittsburgh. He missed all of last year with a torn ACL. So Tennessee is typically a small market team. No one pays attention to them, rightfully so, because they choke in every damn big game they play, like the Bengals collapse at home in Nissan Stadium last January. Um, so I, I do think they are good enough to make Carson Wentz uh, 
you know, error prone, at least later in this game when push comes to shove. Um, I, I'm, I'm totally interested in Tennessee. You know, I don't, if this game gets to three, three and a half, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm okay with laying the juice in the money line and getting them at one and a half. So what I'm thinking here, um, cause I really liked your point about Tennessee, just really, really struggling in the second half. I'm thinking about laying them in the first half. Um, I think that's a very solid pick too, but overall, like I would definitely lean Tennessee. I'm not totally sure yet. I kind of want to see where this line ends up. It's one of those ones where, you know, as Vegas gets all the information, great. The edge is probably not going to be there anymore, but I'm just not confident enough in either side. I really want to wait, but right now I definitely am leaning Tennessee first half. If we're talking about first half bets, my second favorite spread pick is the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night against the Cincinnati Bengals. So first of all, just from a hungry dog runs faster kind of game, they didn't get embarrassed by the bills, but that was a tough loss against the Buffalo bills for that Ravens team. And now they go up against the Bengals on prime time. And if you remember last season, the Bengals kind of beat the shit out of the Ravens. Like they kind of crushed them last year. And this is not as good of a Bengals team and the Ravens are at home and how good the Ravens have been in the first half. They are three and one covering this first half number um, in the season over four weeks. But what I know about the Ravens is they come out hot, they come out ready, and in the second half, that's when they tend to fold. We saw it against Miami. We saw it against Buffalo. Like, they beat Buffalo through the first half, and I thought that was one of the best first halves from a team that we've seen all year, especially against Miami, too. I think that the Ravens can get it done, especially at that one-and-a-half number that I found. It's around minus 118. You can also find it at two-and-a-half, too. I think they win by a field goal, but I love the one-and-a-half number, too. I didn't really have a preference there. I just grabbed the better number because I could. But I think two-and-a-half is a really good play here. I'm going to go with the Ravens as one of the best first-half teams in football against a team that they got embarrassed by. And also what I thought was interesting when I was doing more research is um, I was listening to some of the Ravens like in the preseason and they remember this game. They know this game is super, super important, especially on prime time. I think John Harborough, while he hasn't had some good second half decisions, again, this is why I don't want to play the Ravens through the full game. Just give me them at their best fired up through the first half. And I think the Ravens cover that one and a half or two and a half point spread through the first half. Javon, before we get to your favorite spread pick, what's your read on Sunday Night Football, Ravens versus Bengals? I mean, I love that. I think I, th- I don't think anything's going to change in terms of the Bengals offense and what Joe Burrow is going to be able to do behind that offensive line. I think it's going to continue against this Ravens defense that is going to make noise in the front seven. And I love the first half angle, as we've seen, you know, the Ravens collapse from time to time, whether it's just a, a matter of execution or whether it's a matter of coaching decisions in the second half. So I love both of those, honestly, sticking to the first half with the Ravens and the Titans. Um, One of my roommates is a Commanders fan, so I hear time and time again how Ron Rivera with the Commanders, they've been losing in the first half at like 90% of the games that he's been the coach for, which is insane. It's absolutely insane. So I I love both of those plays. And haven't you heard too, um, Justin, as well, that Ron Rivera, I feel like he's lost the locker room. That's that's one of the rumors coming out of Washington. Have you heard that? I haven't heard that uh, personally. I, I don't doubt it. I just thought it was asinine the fact that they were willing to 
let a let a rookie uh, who obviously you know has dealt with a ton of adversity in his life but they're like kicking Antonio Gibson to the curb before Brian Robinson even stepped into the building and I I don't think anybody in the industry could understand why I, what what is happening I, I don't I have no idea so a lot of things just don't make sense in Washington which mm-hmm. is another reason why I'm comfortable backing against them you know on a weekly basis as especially, a especially with Vrabel like if we're looking at head coaching Vrabel certainly hasn't lost the Titans locker room, even with a couple of tough losses there. Um, It does kind of feel like a little bit of a sandwich game, I guess, is like a term that you can use because they did face the Colts last week and then they face the Colts in the next week. Maybe they overlook these commanders, but the Titans need wins. They really, really need wins. It's not like one of these three and one, four and O teams that maybe have the luxury of overlooking one of these teams. So I don't really put a lot of stock into it. That's why I certainly am leaning Titans. Um, just to wrap up on the Ravens-Bengals angle, what do you think about the first half, and how would you play the Sunday night game? I absolutely love it. And if I had to pick a winner, it, w- it would be Baltimore. I did a podcast for Roto Grinders earlier this week, um, and that, that was one of my calls. You know, gun to head is probably my third favorite spread pick of the week. We'll see how many I take. Um, but I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I know we're talking about the eye test here, but last week against Miami, I just felt like the Bengals had every opportunity in the world to kind of break that thing open in the first half, and they just couldn't put the pieces together. Uh, we saw Miami playing a lot of you know bump coverage and, and man coverage. Who's going to do that? Baltimore is going to probably do the same thing. What does Baltimore do? Uh, you alluded to it, Javon. They like to bring noise in the front of seven, blitz, play man-to-man. Those receivers are going to get challenged, and uh, you know eventually T. Higgins had a fantastic game, but that game was closer than what the scoreboard indicated at, at, at the end of the game there. You made a good point about Harbaugh and a lot of his questionable co- coaching decisions. Sometimes you just got to let the highest paid kicker in football kick the damn field goal. So I like Baltimore first half. I like him for the whole game, but for many, this is a boring podcast because we're all agreeing, but it's great <laughs> takes. It's great stuff. Take him in the first half. I'm going to put it in as soon as we end the show. Let's roll. No, I know in our previous podcast, we've been we've been kind of conflicting. And especially in the last two, we had on Jack Settleman, who's been great. And I argued against him and I was 0-2 arguing against him. So I'm glad we're all on the same page now. <laughs> Hopefully that I can get some wins because arguing has actually made me lose. So when we're on the same page, more often than not, we've been winning. Um, Justin, I know that you're on the Ravens. Is that your third and final spread pick or do you have another one that you're looking at? No, I'm probably going to take them uh, both ways, money line and, and spread. I there's something about the Bengals. I I don't want to I don't want to come on here and just throw shade, but I feel like they overachieved a little bit don't last do it. year. Throw maybe shade. all right. I don't know if it's <laughs> called throwing shade or maybe just not being a believer. Um, also thought totally unrelated, but I thought it was pretty crazy that Burrow came out and said he played a couple games while he was blacked out and had concussions and all that stuff from in his career. I was like, wow, good, you know. Yeah, I feel like there'll be more to that developing, you know, throughout the rest of the season. Um, but I, you know what, like Joe Mixon, you know, as a prop better, I know who the industry's on. Everybody in the world was on Joe Mixon rushing yards last week. And he, that offensive line in Cincinnati is an issue. Like it's really bad. They want to establish the run and they just can't. Mixon is running more routes out of the backfield this season than he's ever had. Um, and that's, that's fine, but it's not a great sign for a team that's just going to run straight into a brick wall, it seems like. And that's exactly what we saw in Miami. So I think the I think the tendencies of Cincinnati uh, will fit right into what Baltimore wants to do defensively. And for those reasons, I, I think it's a great pick. Let's roll. Javon, final spread pick because I know you got props. I know Justin's got plenty of props. I have one more total that I really want to talk about as well. Actually, no, excuse me. I already went over my total. I have one more spread pick that I really want to talk about. But first, give me yours. Yeah, so I got a total two, which 
if there was any that we could kind of disagree on, it's it's probably going to be this one. Um, and shout out to our man DeGen too, because I like this one. And after talking with him a little bit, loved it even more. I'm going with the Cardinals Eagles under 49, which is a scary one to take. Um, just, I mean, just looking at this initially, coming off of a game in a monsoon against the Jaguars, where the Eagles and Jags scored 50 points, the over 49 in a dome with these two offenses who are on paper much more dynamic than the two we saw in that game looks very enticing. Um, but people don't know, like, uh, you look at the numbers and the Cardinals defense has also been bad, but they've been sneakily good when you look at some of their, like, individual numbers. Um, like, they're another team where the front seven has been flying around, and they've allowed kind of catches in front of them in the secondary, which even if the Eagles are able to move the ball, that's going to lead to longer, more methodical drives, a little more than what we saw in that Rams game where it was, I believe, 20 to 12. Um so, I mean, their defense has been okay. And albeit other than the Rams, not against great offenses, but they've been very physical in the front seven too, which helps. So if we look at the Eagles offense, they score their points in bunches. They've had times like they scored 24 points against the commanders, but they got shut out for three of those quarters. Um, second half against the Vikings, they kind of took their foot off the gas, but they weren't able to move the ball very well either. Um, then early on last week, I know it was a, a weather game, but they didn't look very good and couldn't move the ball. A lot of the reasoning for that is because they couldn't effectively run the ball with Miles Sanders or even, you know, Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott too. So I think that's going to be an issue for them, moving the ball against this Cards D line. And then on the other side, this is a Cardinals offense, which is good. I think they honestly might come out and win this game, but their O-line is going to be out without two or three starters. Marquise Brown is banged up. So, I mean, I think they, the Eagles defense can do enough to slow down this offense, which doesn't particularly scare me in the first place. Um, so I, I like this under, and we're looking at kind of comparing prize picks lines too. I can't remember. I've seen a week where you could look at every single Eagle square and they have all been bumped down at some point to a lower number, which is, is crazy to me when you look at how dynamic the Eagles offense is against the Cardinals offense where or Cardinals defense, where the average age is about 65. So I like this under 49 and it's continuing to drop. So I'm locking this one in pretty quick. Not only is it continuing to drop. But 76% of the tickets are on the over, and it's starting to drop. Justin, I loved his explanation. I love the line movement, but it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. What's your read on this game? It is terrifying, and it, I'm kind of having deja vu of the Seattle-San Fran game, which opened at like 48, and I think was bet down to like 42 and a half, um, which didn't cover either. So, um the logic makes sense. The con everything makes sense. That that's the sharp play for sure. I I, I totally agree. Um, I'm actually in Northeast Pennsylvania, so you, you could and I'm not an Eagles fan, so you can imagine how it is turning on Philly Sports Talk Radio right now. I, it's unbearable. <laughs> the hype train is completely out of control, and it's not they're, coming back to the station anytime soon. They're the best team in NFL history. The four and Eagles are the best team in NFL history, aren't There's they? There's no no yeah. doubt about it. Although I will say, like they're really good on paper too. Right. Yeah. I mean, the leap that Jalen Hurts has taken is phenomenal, like fantastic. I, I don't know if I can remember another leap other than the Josh Allen leap in the last 10 years. You know, he was so erratic his rookie season. And all of a sudden he was throwing dots 50 yards downfield. And you're like, where was this accuracy? <laughs> um, but Hurts has that locker room. And, um, you know, Nick Sirianni, I really wasn't sure on at first. You know, he refused to run the football whatsoever, it seemed like. Um, if you had any Miles Sh Sanders shares um, at the beginning of last year, him and his zero touchdowns probably didn't treat you very well. 
but uh, I, th- I think you're right. And that Cardinals defense, uh, you're right. They're letting you know plays develop in front of them, nothing over the top. And I don't think Philly's going to be able to run the football too. I do have a couple props in this game, which I couldn't decide if it contradicted your takes or not. Um, but I think, I think they're still fine. So we'll get into props then, but uh, you know, I think you might've talked me into looking at the under at least for sure. You definitely talked me into looking at the under. So we're going to get to props in a minute because I know Justin has a bunch and I know Javon has a couple, as do I. But my one of my favorite spread picks, um, well, it is my favorite spread pick because it's a full game one instead of a first half or a total. I'm really liking the Texans plus seven against the Jaguars. First, the Texans played the Jaguars really, really well last year. I know it's a new team, especially, you know, you get Urban Meyer who – I think is making a name for himself as the worst head coach in NFL history and how you replace him. Um, so the Jaguars are, are definitely a better team, but the Jaguars have not been this much of favorites in a very long time. And history would say that when they are this big of favorites, even in their heyday, they haven't performed as well. And if we look at how the Texans specifically have performed against the Jaguars, like last year, they beat the brakes off them, kind of like the, the Bengals beat the brakes off the Ravens. But in this spot, seven just seems like a lot, especially because the Jaguars, to Javon's point, in the rain, couldn't really stop the run, even though they knew the run was coming because it was raining like nobody's business. And who do the Texans now have? One of my favorite players now to watch, in especially in fantasy football, and I know a lot of people liked him at the beginning of the year, and he's finally showing that it's Damian Pierce. We're going to get into him, his props, I assume, a little bit later. But I think the Texans can run the ball. I think they can keep the, ha- the ball out of the hands of the Jaguars enough to cover this seven line. I did grab it at seven. I've seen it at six and a half. Maybe I'm missing that seven and a half because I know people are coming in on the Jaguars rather heavy. So not only is this a fade on the public in my mind in this spot and according to the numbers, but I think the Texans can keep this game really, really close. I think a lot of people are going to tease the Jaguars down to around one. And I think the Texans are a live dog here. I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans pull out a win. We saw the Texans play the Chargers really, really well. Last game, there were a couple of mistakes there, but they were moving the ball. They just had a couple of turnovers late that ended up making the game. Well, first, the Chargers went up big early, but then the Texans are that team that can provide you with the backdoor cover. I don't know if the Jaguars in this spot are such a juggernaut of a team that they cover the number more than seven. So I'm really liking the Texans at plus seven against the Jaguars. What do you guys think? Javon, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I think I was debating taking a, a flyer on an under here because I think this is going to be a, a low and slow game where the Texans do kind of keep themselves in the game, kind of plays out like that that Bears game that I think, what was it, 23-20? Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a lot of running the football, and I think there there's not going to be too much dynamic offense through the air on either side. I think it's one that stays pretty close throughout the game. So, I mean, I like your take on the plus seven for sure. It's just too many points, right, Justin, or are you leaning more Jags? too many points uh and i'm looking at scores and odds and right now there is a discrepancy in number of tickets and money so it looks like the taking the plus seven uh is is the sharp play right now um sports illustrated has a sports book now by the way it's only legal in three states i think but you can get them at plus you can get them at plus eight and a half on sports on si so if you're in one of those states where you're close to the border and want to take a drive (laughs) and uh (laughs) gas up the car eight and a half is like that's music to my ears if i can get too many points too many Seven's too many, I think. I think I'm with you guys. Phenomenal. Let's get into the props. 
this is what these gentlemen do best. And I can't wait to hear them out. I have my props, but I, I want to kind of save mine for the end because these are the prop masters. Justin, you have plenty. And I know Javon, you have maybe one or two. So Justin, let's start with some of your favorite props of the weekend. I do. And, and we'll start with the Eagles since that was a recent conversation piece we had. Uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, over 41 and a half receiving yards. Uh, and I have AJ Brown over 74 and a half as well. I think that number for Goddard is just too low. He's averaging five targets a game. Uh, Arizona is yielding the, let's see, fifth most targets to tight ends this season as well. And, you know, it, it, to, to kind of go along with your points, uh, Javon, is they don't want to get beat over the top. If they want someone to methodically, you know, run eight-yard out routes and they get beat once in a while, it's, it's going to be Dallas Goddard. I think regardless of who the opponent is, I'll blindly take that number if Goddard's getting five targets a game. Um, one thing I am concerned about in terms of, of the Arizona defense is uh, they're dead last in sack percentage and, and uh, they're eighth worst in the league in pressure percentage. So, you know, I, I just think of dealing with a quarterback as mobile as, as Hertz is, you know, maybe there could be a couple broken plays, couple, you know, backyard type plays. And um, AJ Brown might be the guy to do it. He's made a living running slants over the middle and he's just a yak machine. Um, he said this, hit the 74 and a half over in three out of four games so far this season. So um, I, I do still think there's a path where both of those numbers could hit and maybe the game total under also um, hits as well. It's probably not my favorite three, you know, things to correlate together, but um, it's definitely, you know, plausible. I, I think, you know, the Eagles might have trouble finishing drives, maybe not uh, more so moving the ball methodically, as you said, but Arizona really is a bend, but, don't break defense at this point. So Justin on prize picks currently, the only prop available for Dallas Goddard is a 10 fantasy score. I don't know if you're big into fantasy football. I would assume that you are because you were talking about Kyle Pitts earlier and you're the king of the props. So I, I want to ask, it's a full PPR standard on uh, prize picks. So that could be five catches for 50. That could be four for 60. That could be two for 30 and a touchdown. Do you like the 10 fantasy score? Is that something you'd play? Because you almost get everything about Dallas Goddard. If he weren't to go over the yards, maybe they target him a ton and he gets six catches for 45 or something like that and then goes over that. So are you pretty confident in that 10 fantasy score on prize picks? I wouldn't say I'm confident, but I think it's a really good line. I think it makes total sense. Um, his, his 41 and a half number was, it's already up to 43 and a half on every book since I bet on it this morning. That line is now 43 and a half. So I still like it at 43 and a half, but uh, you know, that that's close. I mean, he's going to get some red zone opportunities too. you know, gun to head. I'd take the over, um, but I probably wouldn't rush to take that. Okay. Um, Javon. So he went over some Eagles props and you're on that under what's your read on that individual prop. You know, so they don't directly contradict like what I'm saying, because we, we were talking about it. They're going to get a lot of their offense from the bend don't break defense of the Cardinals. They're going to have a lot of underneath plays. And another reason, too, like when they've gone against mobile quarterbacks um, with Mahomes and I forget who else, but one other one that they played recently, um, they've put a little light spy on him, meaning that they've not had a set out guy to spy, but they've played the DNs a little soft so they can spy him to either side which means that the rush is not going to be as heavy even as is, which is kind of leading to what he was talking about with their, their sack percentage. They've been doing that out of two of their games, which is going to mean what, what's going to happen. He's going to have more time to find Goddard, more time to find AJ Brown and those, those short little routes. So I don't mind either of those props one bit. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Let's get in. 
Oh, no, go one ahead, more Justin. thing. And yeah. I know I know we're, the Eagles are a very good team on paper, but I mean, who, who have they really played? Before? You know, this might be their toughest game. You know, Detroit on the road and, and the Lions clawed right back in that at the end. You know, they, you know, they thumped Minnesota, you know, they handed Washington and Carson Wentz there behind and what never was his revenge game. Uh, and of course, Jacksonville, I will say like the Eagles finally showed us some like a, like a gut check opportunity because they were shooting themselves in the foot in that Jacksonville game. Everything that could have went wrong in the first half absolutely went wrong. Now the Jaguars made some unforced errors and put the ball on the ground too, as well. But uh, we, I kind of needed to see that from the Eagles. Like when, like what's going to happen when things actually start to go wrong, because up until that point, they played 12 quarters of football where everything was fantastic. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be slow. Like you said, and uh, would I be shocked if Arizona won this thing at home straight up? No, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. I would be slightly surprised just because they suck so bad. That's <laughs> the only reason I would be surprised. That I would just be like, wow, maybe they don't suck so bad. But my point is, I think they suck so bad. So, But I wouldn't be surprised if they have a backdoor cover here. I guess that's my point. But I would be, I would be genuinely surprised if the Cardinals can say, pull it out. Yeah, I will say, though, because when, when I was talking with the Jen about this game, because we were both going back and forth because we both like the under and the Cardinals, this five and a half to five number as an underdog seems to be a really good sweet spot for Kyler Murray, especially at home. A lot of these games, even this year, like the, the game against the Raiders, they're, they won that game in overtime, five and a half to five. Um, and a lot of the games that Kyler Murray's played and been in five and five and a half underdog, they won outright. So this seems to be a, a very key number for both him and the Cardinals. You know what? I could be just completely wrong. Or they still suck, but for some reason, that Magic 5 number, they only win those games. But any yeah. other any other spread, any other situation, they won't win. So maybe they go, what, 5 and 12 this year on five games that they're five-point dogs? I could see that. I wouldn't be yeah, shocked. Yeah, that could work. That could work. <laughs> Javon, what's your favorite prop of the weekend? So I have a, I have a scary one. Oh, one of my favorite props. I'm going with one of the guys who's been probably one of the more disappointing players I guess for fantasy owners all year, it's Darnell Mooney going mm. over 38 and a half receiving yards. Um, so this is a game too. I sneakily like the over in this game, which is another scary bet, but I think this is the game where they finally let Justin Fields loose. Um, and we, we look at the bears and we were, we're frustrated watching them because they're a team who, what do they really have to lose by throwing the ball? And it's not getting them anywhere to, to run the ball 15 times and, and let Justin Fields, you know, have 150 yards a game at the most. Um, I think this is the game where they finally do it against this Vikings defense. Um, they've shown that they've been very prone to letting these over-the-top guys hit them. I mean, we look at last week with Chris Olave against the Lions with you know Monroe St. Brown, Quez Watkins with that 50-yard bomb. I mean, even you can look at Christian Watson in that big pass that he dropped against with the Packers week one. They're prone to these over-the-top deep shots. And I think Darnell Mooney is going to be the recipient of this. I mean, 38 and a half yards too. It's not like you're relying on this, but the main issue, I guess, with Darnell Mooney after watching him, it's not just that the bears offense is terrible, but it's personnel groupings. That's the issue. He's a guy who thrives off of, you know, playing in these wide sets as opposed to like the tight bunch sets that the, the bears have been playing him in. And this seems to be the game plan against the Vikings this year. I mean, we look at, all of the games they've played, whether it's the Eagles, the Lions, you look at those teams and you're like, okay, their offense thrives off of those wide sets in the first place. But then what really stood out to me is the Saints doing it to them last week for a majority of that game, which the Saints, without Michael Thomas, 
They really only have Chris Olave and, and Marquez Callaway who really fit into that personnel grouping. So they were kind of forcing that the entire game because that was the way to move the ball against this defense. So I think they're going to do a lot more of that. He finally connected with Mooney deep last week. I think he, he's going to start to get going a little bit. Um, so I'm going to take his over 38 and a half receiving yards. Justin, it's terrifying, but I can't lie. I do like it. What's your read? I, I, I don't think it's that terrifying. Like if I had an honorable mention, uh, this game is just kind of fascinating to me because like, of course, Minnesota has Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen's done nothing this year. Dalvin Cook's great when he's healthy and knock on wood, he's healthy. But I want to factor in traveling back from England, you know, that whole, you know, how long were they over there for? Probably like 12, 13. I don't even know. I'm bad at accounting. Um, I just do advanced metrics. Uh, They were over across the pond for a while. I skipped the easy stuff and they're coming all the way back. And right, Chicago certainly hasn't lit the world on fire, but I think this could be a very competitive divisional game. Um, I haven't made a stand on it yet, but they're, you know, Chicago getting seven and a half, I think is, is totally fine. And I think they're squarely in play. And I was actually looking at Darnell Mooney as well. Obviously the sporadic volume and just how um, underwhelming fields has been as a pro. And of course the whole coaching staff just needs to, to disappear eventually. Otherwise fields will not succeed. I, I hope for Justin Fields' sake and for all the Chicago bears fans that there's an overhaul in personnel at some point sooner than later. But um, I think you're absolutely right. Like he has a high a dot. He could really cover this in one play, even if he doesn't get a ton of volume. And this is a very vulnerable secondary. So I, I actually was looking into Darnell Mooney. I didn't list him as one of my plays, but I wouldn't be surprised by 1245 Sunday. If I had a Mooney, uh, if I had some investment in Darnell Mooney or the Chicago bears, both of you convinced me. Add Darnell Mooney to my card, add Dallas Goddard to my card. That prop card that I already have first is Derek Carr over 260 passing yards against the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Chiefs, we just saw in that primetime game against the Buccaneers where Tom Brady threw for 385 yards. So the way to beat the Chiefs is to throw the football. But Derek Carr, while he has gone over this number twice, It's not very consistent. Actually, it might be three times, Um, but at 260 and a half, you look at how the Chargers have played or excuse me, the Raiders have played the Chiefs in in the past. They keep it close, even as good as the Chiefs have been. And even as the lowly bad Raiders, the way to beat this Chiefs is through the air. And I think that Derek Carr can go over this 260-yard number because even though the Raiders are 1-3, and the yardage for Derek Carr has been there. Maybe the interceptions have been there, but the yardage has been there. And if we're just looking at these tough divisional games where these opponents just know each other very well, the Raiders, as bad as they've been, and the Chiefs, as good as they've been, it's always been very close. And Derek Carr has gone over this number basically every single time he's played the Chiefs. I think this number is far too low. I think it's going to be high scoring. I definitely will be looking at the over on Monday night. I'm hoping that the public still loves primetime unders enough for all the public money to be on the under so I can go on the over. I think that's a very good play too. And I think Derek Carr has a great day through the air, keeps it close because also if the chiefs just blow out the Raiders, we could see plenty of passing from Derek Carr, but even if it is closer, I think it's going to be close because Derek Carr has a successful day through the air. So with all the different ways that this can hit, I think it's just straight up going to hit 260 and a half is one of my favorite props. Gentlemen, we haven't really talked about that Monday night game. Um, Javon, I'll start with you. What's your read on the game, and what do you think about that prop? 
You know, that's one where I kind of agree with you, Take. I think we we just might get another Chiefs blowout here, which plays into your hands with having Derek Carr throw the ball. Uh, but for me, a lot of it's going to hinge on the Raiders coaching staff. I think last week they finally woke up and they said, hey, Josh Jacobs is actually better than our three other running backs. Let's actually use him. So if they can Crazy, figure right? out how to use him effectively, yeah, he's, he's good. If they figure out how to use him effectively on a consistent basis, this Raiders team could be a lot better going forward. Um, so if they figure out kind of how to do that, that's the only thing that would scare me as far as Derek Carr's, you know, volume if they keep this game close down the stretch. But I still definitely lean Chiefs in the game, and I think there's going to be points, so I don't hate that at all. Justin, any reads on that? No, I agree. I mean, I, I just blindly want to take Kansas City just with – because now, speaking of figuring out how to run the ball, it looks like the Chiefs may have a run game. And that's terrifying for the rest of the NFL because they've done – they've had all racked up all these accolades and had all these wins, and they've done it without being able to run the football. At first, I thought maybe it was just stubborn Andy Reid just not wanting to run the football, but they literally could not run the football for two years. So two teams that are trying to rediscover a run game – but I, I kind of like the idea of a little bit more of a shootout here. I think I think game script will be in your favor. I think at some point early in the first half, Kansas City will be leading by 10 plus points. And, um, you know, eventually you just can't keep handing the ball off to Josh Jacobs. So I like that. I like both of those calls a lot. I, I like Kansas City, you know, anything under 10 probably. And um, I, I didn't really look into Derek Carr, but it makes a lot of sense. I just, the only reason why I'm scared to play the Chiefs is however bad the Raiders have been and how great the Chiefs have been, these games are always, always really close. Sometimes these divisional games defy logic, right? Chiefs yeah. make all the sense in the world, and I'm sure the public will be on the Chiefs, and maybe the Chiefs just win because I remember there have been a couple games this season where, um, you know, there was one game with the Ravens where they just blew out. It was the Jets where I took the Ravens, and it was all public, but the Ravens just matched up so well against them and then just destroyed them. That could be in this matchup, but especially in these divisional games, sometimes what doesn't make sense ends up hitting, and I do think that the Raiders can keep it close, but even if they don't, that's where Derek Carr's yards can come in. But if it does keep close, I think Derek Carr goes over. And I don't want to get into this too much because we kind of already talked about it in that Browns-Chargers game, but I love Nick Chubb over yards. <laughs> like, I love Nick Chubb over yards because they're going to give it to him 50 times. Maybe not 50 times, but enough to go over 89 and a half yards. I would take this up to, I think it's a 100-yard game for Nick Chubb. I think it's one of his best games of the season, especially without Joey Bosa, knowing also that Jacoby Brissett through the air against the Falcons lost them that game. At least that's what I saw when I was watching the game, that they were going to be like, you know what? How do we win games? We give it to Chubb. We give it to Kareem Hunt. We don't overthink it. I don't think Stefanski is going to overthink this one. I think he's going to give it to his bell cows. And Nick Chubb, in my opinion, is the best running back in the NFL. I think that they will hand it off to him at least 20 times. And with the Chargers averaging cl close to five yards per carry against that offense, I think Nick Chubb goes over 89 and a half rushing yards. How does it not go over, Justin? How? You tell me. It's going over. And, uh, you. you know, you made a lot of my points for me. We need to talk about Nick Chubb. I went on scores and odds, wrote up Nick Chubb at 88 and a half at 1 p.m. Eastern. The line is 88 and a half on DraftKings, Caesars, and BetMGM. It's 92 and a half on FanDuel and 95 and a half already on points bet. This Jeez. thing is getting steamed and it's not even Thursday night football yet. So I'm we're we're fans now. I mean, if you got Nick Chubb locked in already, we could just see how crazy this thing is is gonna get by Sunday. Um, but yeah, you made a ton of good points. Chubb is the man, and like their gap run scheme fits perfectly with. LA not being able to defend it. So let me tell you this. 
every game Nick Chubb has had 17 plus carries in, he has covered 88 and a half in 25 of 36 career games. That's a pretty good clip. And it sounds like uh, a chance to get some decent ROI. Javon, how does this not hit? How does it not hit? I know it's kind I mean, of square. Yeah. We talk about this all the time, but it's Nick Chubb against this defense. It just works. Just works. Oh, 100%. I mean, we can't even talk about square because the other the other prop that I have is <laughs> probably equally as square. But we talked about it. Uh, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Like, I think they're going to give him the ball 50,000 times, and he's going to get to this easily. I mean, I, I like that number. Especially, yeah. <laughs> it's You got to go got to go over all over 50,000 carries. Yeah. So, what are the odds to, of that one? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's minus 150 last night. Yeah. <laughs> that, I think that'll the, go well. And I mean, the, the weather in the game script should certainly be in your favor, which is a big reason for it, too. That's Justin. the only way he doesn't get there. If, yeah. if if the Chargers get the ball and go right down the field and then we get a Joby a Brissett hiccup or something and it's 14 nothing, you know, then I get a little nervous. Then I'm like, all right, Kareem Hunt might get a little more time here, you know, but I don't think that's the likeliest of all outcomes. So, all, all speed ahead on the Nick Chubb train if you can get it at 88 and a half today. And Justin, like you're on the Browns. I'm on the under. I don't see the Chargers getting up to this crazy lead and their offense just looks really good. Like I'm a big believer in the Browns defense. So yeah. if that's the only way that this doesn't hit, I, I just don't see that happening. Again, this is being filmed on Thursday, so anything could happen. It's football. That's why, why this is, game is so hard to professionally handicap. But I just can't see that happening. I truly can't. Speaking can't. of... Speaking of some some moves on yards, I like just logged into the Prize Picks app. Darnell Mooney is now sitting forty six and a half. Move literally literally in the time that we've been recording this. Wow, are these mics bugged or something, Pete? Oh, whenever Javon <laughs> is talking into a mic about props on Prize Picks, they get shot up. But Javon, this is on a Zoom recording, so they can't even be listening. Maybe it's is crazy. it me? Is it me doing it? It just might have to be. I mean, we. We heard the the couple court plugs at the beginning. Yeah. Of it just might be, but even at forty six and a half, I'm I'm still taking that. Yeah, he's, four, he's forty eight and a half on all three major sports books um, that is being offered on right now too. So this, if you're not in, if you're not in yet, get in soon. If you're a believer in the research from this pod today, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now, <laughs> Javon. Wall. Okay, wait. Uh, I got to refresh the app, don't I? Because I see thirty eight and a half, and then yeah. now, now I'm gonna refresh it and. I'm on baseball. First off, uh, Guardian series price, but that remains oh to be unseen. There we go. Where you raise that? <laughs> Forty-six and a half. Great. I'm just gonna get it before it goes crazy. Um, Javon, get into your square prop. <laughs> super, super, super square prop. I'm taking Saquon. Yeah. Over. It's it's kind of I haven't decided how exactly I want to attack this one yet because it has to do with the quarterback situation. Um, with whether it's Daniel Jones if he's able to go. If he's able to go, I would love the rushing and receiving yards. If he is not, I will stick to rushing yards. I mean, this Packers defense, other than the game against the Bucs, where, I mean, that Bucs offense in that game was baffling to me, and they only gave up, like, 30-something rushing yards because they couldn't physically run the ball. This Packers defense has been getting gashed on the ground by, I mean, almost 200 against the Patriots, just above 200 against the Bears, 120-something against the Vikings. It's so like they do that. And the reason that I, I want Saquon, not only just because he's Saquon, but they're going to go to him 50,000 times, whether Daniel Jones is not playing or whether he's not fully healthy or whatever. And if the, he's in the game, he's going to check down a lot. And the threat of rushing is going to keep them off balance too from Daniel Jones. So this is kind of similar to Nick Chubb, where I just think he's going to get force fed the ball. 
especially in a game like I like this under two. I think it's going to be a low and slow game. I think the only chance the Giants have of getting points is to feed the ball to Saquon Barkley on long drives and get, even if it's just a field goal, they're going to struggle like to get anything through the air against this Packers offense or Packers defense. Sorry. So I will be going with Saquon pretty much anything. I agree with you. And Barkley has shown so much burst that even if he doesn't get the, the usage like Nick Chubb does, he could still go over this because he's been so fantastic. And so I would definitely lean, especially it's at 76 and a half on prize picks. Justin, what's, what's your read on that one? And then give us your, your next props. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't mind that. I don't have a lean because I didn't really look into it, but it, it makes sense. I, I think you're absolutely right. But st- staying in that game, if you don't mind, I kind of like Romeo Dobbs on the other side of that one. 43 and a half receiving yards. This is one of those lines where the books don't have a lot of historical data to go by. Um, so I kind of I don't want to say I feel stupid, but I like usually like to pound analytics and you know find data. You know, but we're playing, we're, we're handicapping a sport where we have a four week sample size. And I know you guys do a lot of baseball. So what the hell is four games? So you kind of got to get a little creative here. All I know is about George Pickens, uh, excuse me, I'm spoiled. Like I'm looking ahead here. Dobbs is the guy's super talented. And he left about 35 yards on the stat sheet last week when they called that incomplete pass where he probably should have scored uh, a touchdown. Sammy Watkins going on IR has been a big help. He's on the field just as much as Lazard. Christian Watson did score. Um, last year and he made a lot of ESPN highlights but don't let it fool you he's playing like 30% of the snaps only Randall Cobb doesn't have much to offer Dobbs is the guy in this offense it seems a little uncomfortable to be backing a guy who just kind of got thrusted into this role two weeks ago but I think he easily eclipses 43 and a half yards in this game in London and um, you know I, I don't mind Barkle either so there's a lot of good early action Saturday morning I gotta say guys I'm so fired up for these props right now on prize picks it is a 10x it is Darnell Mooney over 46 and a half receiving yards. It is Nick Chubb over 87 and a half rushing yards. Derek Carr over 260 and a half passing yards. Saquon Barkley over 76 and a half rushing yards. And Romeo Dobbs over 43 and a half receiving yards. <sighs> I mean, I'm feeling pretty good, but Justin, I know you have more props. I want to know who I'm kicking out because I want to be convinced of more. I mean, that's a good card. You know, I'm not in a prize pick state right now. Um, I'm going to Atlantic City this weekend, though. So, uh, you know, I'm probably going to have to get a bunch of cash out before I hit the sports books over there. Um, yeah, I, I think those are all great calls. I mentioned George Pickens on accident. I was just foreshadowing until now. Another guy it. where another guy where there's not a lot of data. It seems a little uncomfortable. Kenny Pickett came in last week and targeted him four times in the second half. Those were the two guys getting all the reps over the summer, right? The third string receiver, both rookies playing a lot together. And, but I think what I like about the most is a, he's playing like 70 plus percent of the snaps regardless, but B you want to talk about negative game script. I think Buffalo will comfortably probably take care of Pittsburgh, but George Pickens is not coming out of this game. They're going to be passing a lot in the second half. I just feel like 37 and a half is way too low, but the books don't really know what the price guys like him and Dobbs at when there's not a lot of data to go by. There's a lot of volatility um, and a lot of, um, I guess I would say a lot of well betters are probably afraid to back them and move these lines. So I think getting both of these rookies at these low receiving lines are, are pretty interesting. Pittsburgh's not going to run the ball. They can't. Pittsburgh has a terrible line. They yeah. can't run the ball if they wanted to against Buffalo. I, it just makes sense to get the ball in the air. I think. I do, I do want to say I like Dobbs a little bit more than Pickens because this is just such a tough test for Kenny Pickett in Buffalo. 
I mean, we see the Bills are 14-point favorites. And for the first time, like you said, since the the Revolutionary War in 1776, that's the last time the Steelers were 14-point dogs, but the real date is 1970. I mean, they just haven't been dogs of this magnitude. But I agree with the books here. I think this is where the Bills get healthy. They're at home, and they just steamroll the Steelers. I know Tomlin has been this mastermind of covering the spread on the road, but that's the only that's the only thing I'm looking at of, of the way they can cover the spread is just because I trust Tomlin in this spot, but that can't be enough. But I don't have the stones to go with Bills, but it just makes me scared about taking Kenny Pickett wide receivers in this Buffalo environment. It's going to be so loud. It's going to be such a tough test. Like I know he was just in New York against the Jets, but at MetLife is a lot different than when you're in Buffalo. So that's the only reason why I lean Dobbs a little bit more, but I got to say, I, I don't mind the pickings, but it's just, it's tough backing a wide receiver throwing to Brad Pickett, but maybe Pickett just proves us all wrong and he looks great. I don't know, Javon, do you have any read on the, on the George Pickens? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm in the same boat that I definitely do like Dobbs a little better than George Pickens. Um, I, I was honestly looking at Dobbs' receptions, too. I was sitting at four, um, just because, like, when Aaron Rodgers kind of develops that guy in that offense, when it's somebody that he has to find, that guy is going to get plenty and plenty of targets. So, I like that. My issue with Pickens, like, I, I, I think it's a little too early for me personally to buy into Kenny Pickett, especially going against the Bills' defense. Uh, I think there's like there's that angle that you can look at it as well as if you want to buy low on George Pickens, this would be the time. So that that kind of conflicted for me, which is why I chose to stay off. And then kind of the equalizer for me is that I saw it at 47 and a half and now it's down to 36 and a half, which with all the new looks that you're getting from Kenny Pickett in this new offense doesn't really make much sense. I know they're going against the Bills defense which is very, very good, but I would have expected him to be a, a little bit higher. So that kind of sketched me out just a bit but i gotta say Justin, i, I don't mind it I, I i really don't i think it drops that number i think it could be a buy low spot um is there anything else like any other props that you're looking at or any final points on 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 uh pickens no um i mean he's gonna see soft coverage in the second half i mean i think this game's gonna be out of control by halftime but <laughs> pittsburgh's not gonna certainly take any of their guys who need all the reps they could you know a glimpse of the future and they're not gonna take him off the field so Another i don't point. think kenny pickett has to be good to for pickens to get to this number i, I really don't um but i it, your, your points they make a lot of sense it's a controversial line because there's no data it's a scary environment yeah. new quarterback he's technically the third string receiver i guess or second whatever you want to look at it um but i'm willing to attack the unknown here you know um especially in like playing daily fantasy you got to attack the unknown sometimes um i'm not always willing to do it in in uh on the prop market but when there's lines that low uh i'm willing to do it sometimes i have one more prop play i don't know if you guys do but i think i have i could probably have an easier time selling you on this one than probably george pickens give it to us give it to us right now (laughs) all right let's go back to that chicago minnesota game and as much as i was kind of crapping on the Vikings. I do like Dalvin cook over 77 and a half rushing yards. The big thing is we know he's healthy. Like as far as we know, which is always his thing. Um, He's had 17 carries in three of his four games. This is not the Chicago bears defense. When Brian Urlacher was patrolling over the middle, they're ninth worst in yielding successful rush plays to opposing offenses. They're bottom six or worse in giving up 10 plus runs bounce percentage and yards before contact. So uh, I really like cook in this spot. He's hit the over 77 and a half in two thirds of his games. 
that he suited up in the regular season and is dating back to 2020. So I'll take Dalvin Cook, healthy, who's hit this number at a 66% clip since 2020. I like Cook. You can probably run it back with Mooney. Maybe you get the perfect game script there and uh, give you something to watch in that Minnesota game at least. Okay, so you guys are both aligned on Mooney. I like Chubb and Carr. Javon likes Saquon. For this five-piece, do you like Dobbs or do you like Cook better? Because I, you said you weren't rushing to the fantasy score for Goddard. So, but I, I love the Dobbs pitch and I love that pitch too. So if you put a gun to your head again, where would you go? Would you go Dobbs or would you go Dalvin Cook? Because the listeners of this, they can play these any way they want. If they like that pitch, they can, they can play both. But just for me being selfish, <laughs> what do you like better, Dobbs or Cook in this well, spot? You know, Javon, maybe you could talk it out with me. I, I think I'm leaning Dobbs just because that number just seems easier to get with less volume. What, what are your thoughts between these two? And do you like Cook at all? I mean, yeah, I like Cook. I think, I mean, game script wise, like I, I kind of lean the Bears in that game. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they came out and won that game, to be honest with you either. But I think they'll be down at some point and they're going to have to feed feed Cook. I think they'll hold their own in the secondary, so they won't be able to attack it in the same way that they've been able to against other teams. So I like Cook. I would lean Dobbs because, I mean, like I was I was talking about, this this is kind of one of the lines that's kind of like a Pickens line where they don't have much data, but I can get behind it because I've seen Aaron Rodgers time after time when he sees the guy that he likes or he develops kind of that relationship, especially in the short game when he just wants to get a guy in space. He's going to get that guy the ball no matter what. He's going to force feed him the ball. So I, I would definitely go with Dobbs. I love that play. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. I'm so excited for this five piece. And if you want to play this five piece on books, if you were to parlay them, I just did it. It's around plus 810 on prize picks. They give you a 10x and you can use some free money to play along with us. If you use code just baseball or code just gridiron in order to get that 10x, that is Darnell movie Mooney over 46 and a half receiving yards. That is Nick Chubb over 87 and a half rushing yards. Derek Carr over 260 and a half passing. Uh, Saquon Barkley over 76 and a half rushing yards and Romeo Dobbs over 43 and a half Javon Justin you guys were phenomenal thank you guys so much for coming on Justin where can we find all of your work yeah check me out uh, at the J Carlucci on Twitter I'm over at scores and odds we have a bunch of premium uh, packages we have a new tool called parlay IQ which is uh, free right now and it's for same game parlays and it's really cool because Every time you add, an, add a leg to the bet slip on scores and odds, it calculates and correlates what else makes sense based off like thousands of game simulations. So if you're big into same game parlays, definitely check out this new state-of-the-art tool we have. It'll it'll change the way you bet parlays. So check me out at scores and odds. Um, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, my DMs are always open if you have any questions. Definitely. His Twitter will be linked down below. Javon, where can we find you? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a little less informal. I'm just working the Twitter, you know, to, at Javon underscore D. We're just... We're talking. We'll have a behind the lines our show with Book It Sports on the Book It Sports Twitch and Twitter channel um, with me and my man Krabs, and we'll always be in the spaces talking plays, talking slips, talking entries. So that's where I'll be for sure. Awesome, and you definitely will be able to find Javon on JustBaseball.com on his MLB player props articles as we move into the playoffs, guys. Thanks again. Make sure to use that code Just Baseball or code Just Gridiron when you download Prize Picks. But we have to remember that none of this was gambling advice.